Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State football podcast. This is the Cowboy Chronicles postgame edition. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh and Jenny Carlson. This podcast, of course, is brought to you by Zaxby's. Taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. All right, I guess there's uh, two options to start this, you guys, and we can know uh, so we can talk about Spencer Sanders and fumbles or, or turnovers, uh, or we can talk big plays and the defense. Any, uh, you want to rock paper scissors for it? What do we, what do we <laughs> think? It doesn't really matter at this point, does it? It was. It, uh, it doesn't matter. It was matter. a forty-five twenty-seven defeat for Oklahoma State. Turnovers, big plays on defense, the uh, the, the two big things. Let's uh, let's go ahead and jump in with Spencer Sanders because that's obviously uh, an issue that is uh, heavy in the minds of Oklahoma State fans. Uh, I hope Spencer Sanders doesn't read Twitter, uh, oh, his Twitter man. mentions, because uh, not people too. are uh, people are harsh and uh, and fans are, are nuts and uh, not all of them not all of them i don't i definitely know listeners of this podcast are, are nuts that's uh that's certainly uh, been proven um i don't know, i have some family that listens okay well <laughs> uh, that blows my theory out of the water there. um but let's uh let's say this i thought i thought spencer sanders was solid not remarkable his accuracy was off a, a few times early um he did have the the underthrow on the uh, potential touchdown pass to Jordan McRae that got intercepted right before halftime. Oklahoma State could have gone up twenty to ten at that point. That throw, and I and I wrote this for uh, for the Sunday paper. It didn't feel like as big a blow at the time as it turned out to be. It like as as the game wore on, you started to realize how important that that momentum change was right there. Uh, because of what Baylor was able to do after that, and then Sanders had another uh, another uh, turnover, and it, uh, it 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 snowballed down the stretch. But I didn't I didn't feel like that was a uh, uh, it was it was bad, but it wasn't a, a crushing blow at the time of that interception, Jacob. No, you 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 kind of thought okay, end of the half, stuff like that happens. Um, he's he wasn't being careless. He wasn't making a bad decision. Uh, with anything with the football, he just made a, a poor throw. He, yeah. he underthrew it, um, and and from there, you know, you, you go into halftime thinking, okay, you can live with that, and you can, you can you could still got a half to build off of. It's not you know, Baylor didn't go out and try to go out and score in the last what nineteen seconds, I think, or something when they had the ball, and um, it was something you thought those throws those <clears throat> excuse me those throws happen, and and you can live with it. And before that, I was a little surprised to see Mike Gundy even push the issue. They get the ball at their own 18 with a minute 27 left in the half. That's uh, very often, that's a, a, a case of, of three runs into the middle of the line and go to the locker room for Mike Gundy. Uh, but he, they came out slinging the ball around and, and, uh, and moved right down there and, and gave themselves a chance to take a 10-point lead into the locker room. Yeah, and I think what Jacob said is right. You know, there was there there were times when you look at some of these last few games that the decisions weren't good. You know, uh, 
thrown into coverages that you know you were you were bound to have trouble in a lot of instances or you know running in a situation that puts yourself in jeopardy I mean that was really his second fumble was kind of a situation where he's trying to make a play and yeah. might not have been the most um, well thought out but it's into the game and you're trying to make a play and keep your team moving and so I understand at that point but I think that the I think the turnover while it was not great you know, you're going to have a, a guy who's only in his seventh game as a starter who's going to have times when he's not going to make great plays. Guys that are in their 17th game or their 27th game, I mean, that that happens from time to time. It didn't derail the Cowboys in that moment. Um, you know, we were talking as we walked out of the stadium tonight, guys. I really felt like we were in a game that might come down to who has the ball last. Mm -hmm. I thought we might be looking at a situation where, you know, they're trading, you know, trading uh, scores or, or, you know, uh, punts or whatever right up until the end. I had no... Uh, I had no inkling in my mind that Baylor would win by three scores at the end or that anybody would win by three scores. That just didn't seem like the way we were heading tonight. I was right there with you for it to unravel, uh, for, uh, as Mike Gunny said, all four wheels to come off the way that they did uh, over that, that final uh, ten minutes or so was, uh, was really surprising. Let's, uh, let's transition to the, uh, to the defense a little bit. Jacob, I know you talked to Jim Knowles. I didn't get a chance to visit with him in the chaos of post game. But uh, what was uh, what was kind of the uh, the uh, the the main point of uh, of his message tonight? His his theme was was the big plays. Um, he just felt like they gave up too many big plays. Uh, one that really jumped out to me. It wasn't a touchdown, but right after LD Brown scores the touchdown. Baylor goes for a 44-yard pass play. The very next play, it, it just felt like a seesaw battle at the time then, too. But at the same time, that's the kind of play you can't give up if you're Oklahoma State. You can't allow teams to just go down and score real quick on you right after you score a touchdown, especially take the lead in the fourth quarter. Um, he talked about missed tackles, um, how that's an issue. Um, one thing I did ask him, you know, how do you how do you fix that? And he said it's really tough because you can't really tackle in practice anymore. Yeah. Um, so he said you just got to get teach kids to get in position to make the tackles essentially. Um, so you're you're kind of you know there's a there's a difficulty there. Uh, you know, he also talked to us. You know what changed was they lost isolation in that second half. They, they felt like they got isolated more than they did in the first half when they had a lot of success defensively. They got the quarterback a lot, and all of a sudden Baylor got them isolated in situations they didn't like, and they couldn't take advantage of it. Now, Jacob, I'll give you uh, I'll give you some credit. Your uh, your one wild prediction came true. Hey, came yeah, true by halftime. That's true. Um, but they needed to uh, they needed to make this have the same performance in the second half to to, to put it all out there. You predicted four sacks for the Oklahoma State defense. Yeah, that was it's a season high. I mean, they had three yeah. against Tulsa. That what, was their so season what, high what, before. Fifty percent of what they had in in six games, right? Yeah, yeah, they came in with it with eight. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, you know, you thought, all right, they get pressure on the quarterback. If, I thought four sacks through the whole game would be enough mm -hmm. that OSU would have a really good chance to win this game. First half, I'm sitting there thinking, four, uh, they, they might get six, seven sacks here, and they're going to be in really good shape if they get that. And it just – the pass rush went away. Um, Charlie Brewer found some lanes to run through. Um, they didn't tackle very well in the run game, and uh, it just led to some big problems. All right, Jenny, you dug up some really interesting stats on the defense. I want to get into those. 
Uh, but let's take a really quick break here on the Cowboy Chronicles, and we'll get back into that right after this break. This is the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zach. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. Jenny, you, uh, as I mentioned before the break, you dug up some interesting numbers on the Oklahoma State defense. Yeah, I hope they're right. You know, after the game, you you start to do math and you think, I'm close, but I, I hope I got it right. You know, my yeah. my second grade daughter doing, you know, carrying numbers now in math is going to be really mad if I got my math wrong. But um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But so OSU, very good on third down, but only nine third downs and only one fourth down. Uh, Baylor converted on only three of those ten. Not much yardage there. Um, seven, seven yards of Baylor offense on those ten plays. But Baylor only ran 54 plays to get to their, uh, to their 45 points. And on those other 44 plays that Baylor had, they – got a whopping 529 yards 44 15 of those 44 plays went for 15 yards or more so basically every third play was one of those big gainers 15 20 63 I mean there were just there were some huge huge plays I mean when it came down to sort of the get off the field time for OSU they did a pretty darn good job, but they so rarely got to that point because Baylor was just clubbing them over the head on first and second down. I really, I knew that Baylor was good in those early downs, but until I started crunching those numbers, it was that was shocking to me that 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 Baylor was so effective in first and second down, and and just, I mean, it just killed OSU. They and truthfully, even with that, as Jacob mentioned. You know, they give up the early, uh, the, the touchdown from Baylor right off the bat. Three plays, they march down, they score, wham, wham, wham. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And then the defense stiffened. They they get a fumble, two uh, two punts, and then that field goal uh, to end the half. But even that was, uh, they, they stiffened after, you know, Baylor got to the five guys, first and goal from the five. And um, OSU's defense gets a couple of uh, negative rush plays, then almost gets an interception in the end zone itself by Colby Harvell Peel, and they forced that field goal. So they they had four really solid possessions, even with all those big numbers, you know, smattered around in there. So they were they were getting some decent results at the end of the day, but I'm just not sure that's sustainable. I mean, even with even with those end results in the first half, it was almost like you know, when is it gonna when is it really gonna start to pile up and and we definitely saw, I mean, the fourth quarter, it, it obviously was, was when it, the house came tumbling down. But, you know, even to that point, there would just been so many big plays by the defense. That was really an astonishing number of big plays to me. The efficiency, which is, uh, you know, basically what you, were, what you were talking about on those first and second down plays, is pretty crazy when you look at some of these numbers. Jermichael Hasty, 15 rushes for 139 yards, 9.3 per carry. John Lovett. Seven carries for 57 yards, 8.1 per carry. Charlie Brewer, even with the, you know, he had the had the four sacks, and uh, his rushing numbers weren't great because of that. But 13 of 17 for 312 yards. 13 yeah. completions for 312 yards is uh, is is pretty crazy. It's also pretty crazy that he only had one touchdown in in yeah. <laughs> in all of that. But 
Um, but still, that's uh, the efficiency of that is is pretty remarkable. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously, if you're gonna if you're gonna give up that stuff, you know, clearly having good results at the end of drives, punts, fumbles, that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, that's better than the alternative. You know, it's better than touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, sort of thing. But um, you know, they're gonna OSU. I think the tackling is probably the thing that surprised me most. I mean. Um, I did not see the Tech game in person. The last time I saw OSU in person was K-State. And, guys, they were so solid against K-State. I mean, just, um, you know, K-State so, so uh, you know, the, the Snyder carryover even under um, the new coaching regime, just, you know, so um, tactically solid. And I thought OSU was every bit as, you know, just by the book, I was so impressed with them that day. And today, it's just the exact opposite. It just feels like, you know, it was very, um, it was very helter-skelter with the tackling. You know, sometime it was pretty solid, and you thought, well, you know, there's that team that we remember from the K-State game. And then there were times it just looked to completely, you know, escape the Cowboy defenders, um, what they were doing. So, those wild swings of inconsistencies, that's what I wrote about for Sunday. You know, just a team that now seven games in, the only thing that's been consistent is that inconsistency. They have moments where you think, wow, you know, this team can really play. And that's on all sides, you know, offense, defense, even in the special teams. But, boy, when, as Mike Gundy said, all four wheels come off, it it is not a pretty sight. Yeah, you know, the, the, the pass plays that really killed them late – were were kind of surprising in that they were so out of position and and didn't have help where they needed it. Um, guys that were were running wide open against a zone, which is which is not completely a you know, unnatural for a guy to be able to find a soft spot in a zone. But then for nobody to be able to collapse on a guy and 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 bring him in is. Uh, is I mean that's kind of that's kind of part of the zone is you you're, you're back there and you're you're covering an area and when a guy gets the ball everybody's pursuing the ball but um, that those some of those plays were uh, were awfully surprising to see how much space guys were getting and uh, and yards after the catch at, at that point now one uh, one silver lining on uh, on that side of the ball AJ Green played really well particularly when he was uh, was lined up one-on-one with Denzel Mims. Yeah, I was I was just thinking of all those plays that Baylor made, all the receivers that caught the ball, how they spread it around. Denzel Mims had one catch. They did this. They put all these numbers up without their best weapon really doing anything. Uh, yeah. And that catch was like my first drive in the first quarter. Um, and – he, he did nothing after that. A.J. Green did a phenomenal job. He spent most of the game on Mims. Uh, and A.J. Green really lived up to the billing. He got his, uh, I guess, payback in his own personal way right. for yeah. last year. Uh, still didn't get the win, but he got he got his redemption um, for how last year went against Mims. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe Green got flagged one time for pass interference. I, I don't remember if it was yeah, on Mims or I not. I don't remember if it was on Mims either. Uh, but uh, the direction I was going with that is that uh, eight penalties for 92 yards. They did have some 15-yarders that, that popped up. A little, uh, little bit of a discipline issue uh, in, in some areas. Uh, that's definitely more penalties than, and yardage than you, than you want to see. And the Cowboys have been much better in that area this year. But uh, but Jacob still 
uh, a little bit of a concern there. Yeah, and, and Gunny kind of brought that up. He, he kind of didn't really see, seem too worried about Johnny Wilson's 15-yard penalty late. Um, that seemed more of a protecting of yeah. uh, Spencer Sanders there. Uh, he didn't like the, you know, what happened in that play and – a little bit of frustration boiled over there too. Um, the big thing that was the, I think, it was the back-to-back pass interference penalties. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was what really killed him. Jim Knowles even brought that up. Uh, that 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 stuff like that can't happen. Um, I still think Rodarius Williams kind of got stuck in no man's land on one of those penalties where yeah. um, trying to run with a guy one-on-one coverage and the ball's underthrown and the guy stops and jumps into him. He has no chance to turn around right. uh, and gets a penalty. It's the right call, but it's also a a tough break for Rodarius in that yeah. situation. Um, but you, you've got to be more disciplined than to let those penalties happen at the same time. And that's what Gundy's preached all season. It hasn't been much of an issue until tonight. They had a couple of those creep in uh, in really bad times. All right, we'll take another quick break, come back, talk some numbers, some other interesting things from, uh, from the night, and then look ahead to Iowa State briefly. This is the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's Cowboy Chronicles post-game following Oklahoma State's 45-27 to loss to now 7-0 Baylor. Uh, some other interesting numbers uh, that we uh, that we haven't really touched on. I was I was surprised to see that Chu carried the ball 32 times. I did, it did not feel like he had those type of numbers. Anybody else? No, it felt like LD had a lot more carries than he actually did. To right, me. only four for him. Um, it just felt like we saw LD a little bit more tonight than we had mm-hmm. all throughout the season. Um, but maybe that's just kind of what it's going to look like. You're going to think she was not carrying the ball as much, but he's really hammering you. Um, and he had another good night. That's the yeah, thing. I mean, it's 71 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, it's hard. He's kind of being overlooked in this a little bit. Uh, but Chuba had another really good night uh, on a week that his Heisman campaign kicks off right this loss obviously didn't help but uh he still had another big night ld brown had a huge night uh with his long touchdown run um he looked more decisive with the football yeah which is what gundy's been asking for and uh so you know those numbers really need to jump out if I was uh, in Mike Gundy or Sean Gleason's shoes with L.D. Hubbard, or L.D. Hubbard, hello. <laughs> How long did I get J.D. King and L.D. Brown screwed <laughs> up? And now J.D. King has moved on, and I can't even get L.D. Brown figured out. Folks, that's where we are right now. I, if, I, if, I'm in, if I'm in the shoes of the coaches with what L.D. Brown did tonight, I think I would try to, if he keeps it up, now if he goes out and starts running sideline side to sideline again and refuses to run up, upfield I reserve the right to change my opinion about this but if he continues to run like he did tonight I think you try to get get him to eight carries next week at Iowa State I mean you may not you may not um you know save Chuba that much but to me I mean even the 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 I I remember two of those other three carries for LD Brown I thought he was a shoestring tackle away from something pretty big on a right. couple of them. He ran really well tonight, guys. I think a couple more plays just to maybe get him a little more rhythm. I think you might see him get some even bigger numbers. I don't know if you'll see him rip off another long one like he did tonight, but I think he could get some really positive plays, get him a little momentum, get him a, get him a little bit of rhythm, and see what happens. Well, and with those two guys in particular, Hubbard and Brown, 
I've been a little bit surprised, and I under, I understand that it's a it's a new offensive coordinator, and that there are some changes made to this offense. But we I don't know that we've ever seen two of their running back running backs on the field at the same time. We see them line up in I formation with a cowboy back at in that fullback position, or two of them flanking Sanders in that in that loaded pistol formation. But I don't know that we've ever seen Hubbard and and Ellie Brown on the field together. Which was something that, uh, which was kind of a wrinkle that they added last year, with Justice Hill and Chuba Hubbard at times, that uh, that I thought was uh, was kind of valuable. And you know they could do some things. They could line up with two backs in the backfield and split one of them out. I mean those two, those, that's two guys with some skills that I think you could uh, you could maybe do something creative uh, with with something like that. Well, one of the one one of the plays we saw tonight from LD was they split him out wide. And threw that quick screen to him, yeah. and he had three—I think three receivers around him blocking, and he got a pretty nice gain on that pass. Uh, you know, even plays like that help. Yeah, and get to get him involved and get Chuba a break because there was there was no there was no running back in the backfield. I mean, there was still Chuba wasn't on the field, um, but it was it was still a nice play design. I thought that that was one of those ones that Jenny mentioned. I felt like he had a chance to to break that one and really do some damage, and um, you know, maybe that comes later. Maybe as the playbook continues to open, I mean, we saw Jelani Woods get more involved tonight. Um, maybe they're you know they're adding some things in there that uh, mm-hmm. as Jenny pumps her fist over here, they're they're adding some things in here that uh, you know expanding a little bit as the season goes on. Now, Jenny, you at one point earlier this year, I don't remember exactly what game it was. I think it might have been before the Texas game uh, suggested that Jelani Woods could could might catch six passes. It did. Uh, it, it took it took a few weeks. Yeah, but he got it. Di- it wasn't bad, was it? No. Uh, Jelani catching six didn't didn't look terrible. No. I really thought the tech. I think it was the Texas game, Scotty, and the reason was I thought that was going to be the game that after non-conference play, some opponents that weren't as good that they really crack open the playbook and start to, you know, p- you know, throw it around to some different weapons and that sort of thing and. It's been interesting. I think that as, maybe as much as anything, what happened there a little bit was that, you know, Jelani Woods is probably in most plays option three, option four, right. you know, in, in the progression of reads. And I'm just not sure Spencer Sanders. I mean, it's understandable. He's, he's in his first season as a, as a college quarterback. He's, you know, learning as he goes. I'm just not sure he was uh, either had time or patience to get to Jelani Woods and the progression of a lot of those plays. And we may see this become more of a regular thing because we may just be seeing one of those, you know, it's going to go under the radar because everybody's going to want to talk and rightfully so about, you know, the costly turnovers. But, you know, maybe there are some reasons to not think Spencer Sanders is, you know, give him up for dead as some people, I think, <laughs> according to what you guys are saying about social media, they're ready to throw him on the scrap heap and start over. I, you know, this guy's young. He's going to learn. There's going to be growing pains. Scott, you wrote it today. It's going to continue to be true for, you know, several more weeks. There's going to be times he's dynamic. There's going to be times that he's frustrating. But to me, I think that the the use of, of Jelani and the tight end cowboy back whatever you want to call it position I think that's a sign that he's continuing to grow you know he hasn't plateaued he's still adding to and that's got to be a positive uh, for for people around the uh, cowboy football program 
Absolutely, and uh, Spencer Sanders, 18 of 32, 157 yards, only 18 completions, but he spread the ball out better tonight than we've ever seen. Yeah, I was really impressed with that. Was it 10 receivers? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. 10 different receivers. Um, it's strange that one of them was not Dylan Stoner. Right. Uh, the first time, and he had 31 games straight of catching at least one pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ended tonight. That was a little odd, um, but he got he got a lot of people involved. Um, now, granted, one of those actually was not from him. Yeah, that was that's uh, true. Dayton that's Metcalf true. caught a pass from from your uh, favorite punter, Scott. Absolutely. What did you uh, What did you think of that play? Uh, I tell you, we'll come back around to that. Okay. I've okay. Some, I've got I've got a whole Tom <laughs> Hutton segment planned. Oh, okay. I got you. All right. All right. I hope I hope the listeners stick around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you are you are correct, um, and uh, you know Drew Brown also completed three of three passes there at, at the uh, at the end of the game as well. So, um, but uh, but they were spreading the ball around much better than uh, than what we've seen. Jordan McRae had a chance had had one touchdown catch had a chance for another. LD Brown caught uh, caught two passes. I didn't uh, I don't remember yeah. the second one now that I uh, now that I try to think about it. But uh, two passes for seventeen yards for him. Tyler Wallace six for sixty nine, and he was in some uh, some really tough situations. Yeah, there was a lot of lot of tough catches that he couldn't bring in that yeah. you don't really blame him for, but you almost expect him to still catch him because he's Tylen. Yeah, there was also some plays I thought that he I don't know how many penalty yards he he drew, but several times he he drew pass interference or holding on Baylor defenders. So you got to give him some credit for that. And I actually asked him about this. I, I, I'm, you know, officiating is one of the hardest gigs out there. So I'm not knocking the officials. But Talon's a pretty strong dude, and he doesn't he doesn't let a lot knock him off routes or you know where he's going or what he's doing. But you know, as I was watching tonight, I was sort of thinking, I wonder if he um, sort of reacted to contact and some of the things that he was getting in a way that was a little more mortal (laughs) like would more flags come because I think a lot of times he just you know plays through it to try to muscle through whatever's happening I I don't I mean maybe not maybe and I'm all for you know pass plays being physical even if it's I mean I'm not I don't want to fit I don't want defensive backs to feel like they have to you know put their hands behind their backs and try to play defense so I'm not advocating for that but you know it's just an interesting sort of give and take you wonder um you know what uh what kind of contact he's getting that maybe we're not even noticing yeah there was the one play uh Jacob you pointed it out when we watched the replay the guy grabbed his jersey from behind <laughs> and then and then got him got him with a, a a hand across the face mask before the ball ever got there. Yeah, it was, and and it was right in front of an official. Yeah, too, which is which really kind of surprised me. But yeah, the ball's in the air. He grabs the back of the jersey, and then as the ball's getting there, he's got his other hand on the face mask. His hand had let go of the jersey, but he had his hand on the face mask. And you think, how is he supposed to catch the football that way? Yeah. Um, and he still almost made the play. I and mean, he almost caught it on the back of him. Yeah. And. And it's just amazing to watch Tylen do that. But I think Jenny's right. There's there's a valid point. What if he act, what if he acts a little bit more? What if I'm not saying go all soccer on us and just yeah, flop, right. but maybe maybe you know let some of that be a little more obvious. Yeah, it's it's completely valid. He um, 
the crazy thing is that he makes so many of those plays that it's uh, even with contact or competitive situations that it's just it's just uh, it seems weird when he's when he's not or there's not a, a flag thrown. So, um, all right, anything uh, anything else from either of you before we uh, we step into the world of Tom Hutton? <laughs> uh, is <laughs> Uh, no. Uh, is this? I think we're gonna stand outside the world of Tom Hutton and just let you uh, soliloquy for a second, Scott. Uh, well, no, no. Can, can Todd Frazier put on some nice like background music to like really make this pop right now? Uh, oh, now uh, listen. The first first thing I popped you guys in the uh, in the press box for this, and I'm gonna do it now publicly because you deserve it. <laughs> Oh man! Okay, okay. Tom Hutton has has, has punted uh, over thirty times now this season. Each so of them with like his it. each of them with his left foot. And today he throws a uh, pass on a fake punt. He, uh, he kind of shot put it. It was an it was an Aussie rules uh, football yeah, style. Uh, he pushed it in the air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was Aussie rules style throw. <laughs> uh, but he completed it for a first down on a fake punt for twenty yards to Dayton Metcalf. Uh, both of you shocked to find out that the left-footed punter throws with his left hand. <laughs> uh, he kicks with both feet. Come on. I, I'm just saying. And here's the thing. We're so desperate. We don't get to talk to him. He's 29 years old. I'm desperate for to learn anything about this man. <laughs> I thought it might be like, you know, stuff's different on the uh, on the other side of the world. You know, do, doesn't, the to- doesn't the water go opposite <laughs> the, in the toilet right, and yeah, stuff? The toilet water for all the I know, way. they maybe kick with their left and throw with their right. I don't know. Uh, These are things I'm still learning. Hey, uh, you, you watch baseball players all the time bat different than what they throw. Yes, and so, it's odd, isn't it? Well, <laughs> listen, it's, it's not a, that it's, odd. It, well, you don't you don't see a guy who throws right-handed step to the plate right-handed and suddenly become shocked. Well, no, but you never <laughs> see a punter throw the ball. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'll give you. Uh, I'll. I'll. Uh, I'll uh, I, w- I will drop the case at this point. Uh, but in addition to the the uh, the, the fake punt, five punts. For 217 yards, 43.4. Three of those five inside the 20. Uh, either one or two of them inside the 10. A long of 50. One of his better nights. He his his performance really had been uh, had not met my expectations of how excited I was for him at the beginning of the year. I can completely admit that. Uh, but this was uh, this was a really solid night for him. And the Baylor punt returner Isaac. Uh, oh no, he's not. Name's not on here. Sorry, uh, don't want to <laughs> don't want to call out the wrong guy. But um, he was uh, he was having some issues. He bailed Sorry. out a few times. He looked like yeah. I don't want any part of the way this thing's coming down yes. at me. Exactly. He looked like I would look if I tried to catch a Tom Button punt. <laughs> That's exactly. What now, he now like. to be fair about your expectations, mm-hmm. you had him in the Hall of Fame already before he kicked. Oh, absolutely. Listen, I I had the guy uh, guy b- uh, dropping out of school and, and going and going <laughs> trying to find a way to get into the NFL as a thirty year old. So it's not the Ray Guy Award anymore; it's the Tom Hutton exactly. Award. Exactly. Just forget that Ray Guy. Yeah. Hey. All right. Well, unless uh, unless either of you have anything else uh, interesting that uh, that I've forgotten, as I uh, I usually like to uh, close the uh, the post game show with that uh, that segment. I'll say I am uh, very interested to see how next week at Iowa State goes. I know we'll have yeah. all week to talk about that, but 
Iowa State looks more and more like the team that we thought they were going to be before right. the season started. Um, then they weren't that team, and now they look like that team again. So I, I am very, very interested to see how next Saturday in Ames goes. Yes. The win over Texas Tech, uh, yeah, I, I, I went on the radio earlier this, uh, this week and uh, in a segment where I have to make my lock of the week. And Texas Tech plus seven was my lock of the week. And, uh, and that got flushed down the toilet with a 10-point uh, Iowa State victory. Um, that, was, uh, that was impressive. I was surprised to see Iowa State play that way. Uh, so this is going to be a tough challenge. Iowa State's always uh, a tough place to play. Um, you never know what kind of weather you're going to get up there this time of year. A lot of different things that uh, that that factor in, and it could be it could be a, a really tough spot for uh, for Oklahoma State that in in a time when they need to get things on the right track. All right, with that we will wrap up the post game edition of the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's or order online at zaxby's.com.